by the fans for the fans covering all four major sports in the district of champions it's the dc crossover podcast with your hosts mike cerrone and ben simpson what's going on everybody mike cerrone right here for the dc crossover podcast episode 131 flying solo Yet again, Ben will be back next week. We had a scheduling conflict. He was supposed to be back this week, but we had a scheduling conflict uh, to go on with this week. But Mike's Rome flying solo yet again for you guys right here on the DC Crossover episode 131. Cry, Eagles cry. I almost couldn't say that for a second because it's just so cringy. But that's what I went with. That's what I'm going with. Cry, Eagles Cry, episode 131 of the DC Crossover. Once again, I'm your host, Mike Cerrone. Hopefully, everyone's having a pleasant day out there. I have the uh, Washington Wizards beanie on because I'm going to get into the Wizards a little bit later, uh, but I have the Wizards beanie on today because they deserve it. They're on a four-game heater right now, and also, I wish I had a heater uh, right here next to me because I'm freezing my ass off over here. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> overall, DC Crossover episode 131, Cry, Eagles Cry. Uh, again, I am Mike Cerrone, flying solo. Like I said, flying solo, just like the Eagles were not last night. Uh, They're flying solo with a big L on their record, the first one of their season. But uh, today, let's see what we got going on, okay? I- I'm going to get a little rant here in a second. Not really a rant, but kind of... Uh, what my evening uh, summed up to be this past night when the Commanders were beating the Eagles um, and a little beef that uh, my friend Dan told me never to get into. Don't go into that abyss. And uh, probably the first time I've done that in about two years. Um, But I ended up doing it and it's just just carrying on, uh, which is hilarious. But we'll definitely jump into the Twitterverse here in a little bit. Uh, and we'll also get into uh, briefly the Washington Capitals and also briefly the Washington Wizards. Definitely want uh, to wait for Ben to come back to tell him our backyard grill experience that happened a couple weeks ago. And also I want to uh, wait for him to come back uh, so we can kind of also get into uh, the Washington Wizards a little bit more um, in depth with him as well. Uh, but overall, let's just start off real quick. And say that Twitter, now I'm not talking about the Elon Musk crap and all that kind of stuff. I don't give a crap about that. I'm talking about Twitter in the sense of Twitter trolls and also Twitter uh, beans that just sit there. And also, uh, first of all, I should say, I do hate the people 
that sit there and then all of a sudden like they just comment on how many followers you have or something when they're following like 3,000 people and I'll bet you 1,500 of those people are fake or cam bots or something random that just follow them back and they're like, yeah, well, I got 1,000 followers, you know, even though I'm following 3,000 people. It's like, I don't care. I'm not sitting there following a million people. I mean, I follow certain beat reporters and different stuff of that nature, but I'm not sitting there trying to get follow for follow whenever that was a thing. I don't know if it's still a thing or not, but I just think it's hilarious when people sit there and they comment on your followers. Like, I don't care. I have like 150 and I might be following 49 or, you know, something of that nature. I don't care. But it's like, I just think it's hilarious because I go on Twitter just to see kind of what the buzz is like or even when I'm betting on a game. I need to see if a player who is out or got hurt is going to come back in, kind of like uh, what Justin Herbert did uh, the other day. Uh, I needed to check and see if he was coming back in. And before halftime even uh, began, or excuse me, I should say ended, uh, the reporter, I forgot who it was, said that he has his helmet on, he's come back in. So that was a good sign. But overall, what I'm saying is I just think that people, they just like to take shots. Now, I'm not talking about the shots that like, you know, are you know little jabs here and there they just like to beat you down behind a keyboard behind their phone and that's the thing is I love people who have opinions you know and I love a good opinion every now and then me and Ben have different opinions every now and then but when your opinion doesn't make any sense or you sit there and just keep repeating your statement or repeating your I don't know reasoning when I've disproven that multiple times, and then you also keep asking me, which is hilarious. You keep asking me, why am I bringing this up? But it's the answer to your question. So last night, the Commanders, and I'll get into the Commanders here in a little bit and break down that game as well. Uh, The biggest thing was the Commanders last night ended up taking control of the game, uh, and they beat the Eagles. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles, which is awesome. But the biggest thing was is I went on Twitter and I honestly typed in there because I saw you know Heineke and all that stuff was trending and whatnot, uh, and some was good things, some was bad things. Obviously, people were you know calling him out for taking a knee or whatever, even though it was a good play. Don't get me wrong, it was a smart play. Um, but I was sitting there and I was like, I don't understand why people are are, are you know t- telling me that Taylor Heineke is this this world beater, you know, that should have a job. Now I've already gone on this podcast and literally talked about Taylor Heineke before. Now I don't want to sit here and grill Taylor Heineke once again, like I did last week. But the biggest thing that I have, the biggest gripe that I have is I typed in this tweet last night. I said, Heineke in four games has five touchdowns, four interceptions, and is averaging 210 yards. He's almost averaging under 200 yards. Think about it. He might even be, you know, in this season, if he didn't get that 49-yarder last week where the ref basically helped play offensive, you know, linebacker, you know, last week against the Vikings, he might even be averaging under 200 yards. And he also wouldn't have got the touchdown. So he would have got another pick. So it would have been actually four touchdowns and five picks. But... I'm not going to go into that right now. But the biggest thing is I said his stats, the main stats that you look at, and I said, tell me one reason Wentz shouldn't start besides, quote-unquote, they play hard for Taylor 
because this is the NFL. Play your best talent, not your best effort. And that's the thing. This started creating buzz. Now, let's see how many, you know, interactions it had. Oh, it had a pretty decent amount. That's pretty that's pretty good. I didn't know that. But that's the thing. It started getting some interactions. And people started kind of tweeting out and saying, like, well, you know, Wentz is abysmal or Wentz is so overblown or overhyped or this or that. And the only reason I said that, I didn't put any argument for Taylor or for excuse me, for Carson Wentz. I didn't put any argument for Carson Wentz. He is more talented than Taylor Heineke. Many, many, many people have said that. That's the thing. Many people have said that. It's not just me. But for people to go out there and say, oh, well, Wentz sucks, so you need to play Taylor because he plays hard or they play hard for him. I said this last week. You don't play someone just because they give their best effort. A lot of people give great effort. I mean, you see hard knocks every single year. These guys getting cut left and right. And the coaches sit sit there and say, you had you know some great effort. We appreciate you coming out here and giving it your all. But they didn't get a job. But these people that are out there, these trolls that are out there on Twitter saying, well, he deserves a job because he tries hard and everyone plays hard for him. Who cares? Who cares? if he, I, I can go out there and try hard. Does that mean I need? That's the reasoning people give you. They don't bring up numbers. They just don't. I've had many people on Twitter say, you know, and actually it's one guy, you know, he went out there and literally said my name on Twitter, which is kind of stupid. But he went out there and, oh, man, now everyone, oh, now he's going off again. Oh, my gosh, this guy. Oh, boy, man, this guy's going to gonna kill me. Um, Maybe literally, too. He literally said, why give an S about stats unless you're playing Madden? Because stats, you know, have you heard numbers never lie? Stats mean something. You don't want a quarterback going out there and averaging 200 yards and literally throwing, on on average now, if you want to go to his career stats, 1.3 touchdowns and 1.1 picks a game. I mean, I want to go back and look at Rex Grossman's stats for when he was with the Bears back in whatever it was, 2005 or something like that when they made the Super Bowl. I want to go see those stats. Everyone said Rex Grossman sucks. Everyone said Rex Grossman should be out of town. Everyone should be, you know, you know, going against Rex Grossman because he sucks this, he sucks that, all that kind of whatever. And I bet his stats were better than Taylor Heineke's, and he led the team to the Super Bowl. Taylor Heineke hasn't done any of that for us. Didn't lead us to the playoffs last year. Didn't win the Super Bowl, or excuse me, didn't win the playoff game that he started two years ago. What are we doing? People just sit there and, and act like, oh, well, you know, he plays hard. You know, you want a stat? Tell me his record. It's not his record. It's the team's record. Well, you know, Carson Wentz had the same team. Well, also, the defense sucked then. Oh, well, Carson Wentz, you know, he doesn't bring up the team. These guys are professionals. They don't need to sit there and say, well, my quarterback is so awesome. I'm going to play extra hard for him. People want contracts. It's a profession. Nothing's guaranteed. Why are you going to sit there 
and trying to say, oh, well, this guy's not playing hard because he doesn't like his quarterback. You think Deron Payne, who's trying to get a, a big contract here, is going to go out there and just half-ass something because he doesn't like Carson Wentz or doesn't like Ryan Fitzpatrick for the quarter and a half he played last year? I mean, do you think that people are going to go out there and just not try because they don't like their quarterback? Now, I'm talking about the guys who don't have contracts. I'm talking about the guys who are trying to fight for a contract, or trying to fight for a roster spot. You think Cam Sims is going to try to go out there and just, eh, I'm just going to run this route barely. Maybe, maybe I'll give it some effort because I don't like Carson Wentz. Who cares? Like, I just don't understand it. I mean, this guy is literally going off on me on Twitter, and he's writing me paragraphs and just, I mean, just going off. I mean, everyone keeps saying Wentz is a five. Like, I don't think these people understand that I'm not fighting for Wentz. <laughs> like, what do you, I'm not fighting for Wentz. I mean, this one guy last night basically said that we need to build the team around Taylor Heineke and stop giving money to washed up quarterbacks. Now, I didn't really go back and look how much Taylor, or excuse me, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was making last year. Couldn't have been that much, let's be honest here. I mean, he's a bridge quarterback, couldn't have been that much. And I told the guy, I said, last year, Taylor Heineke came in for Ryan Fitzpatrick and honestly didn't play well. I mean, last year he went like 7-9 and nine or 7-8. and eight. So he was under 500, had an under 500 record last year as the starter when Ryan Fitzpatrick hurt his hip or whatever and all those, the rumors of him going out of water slide and all that kind of random crap. I mean, people don't understand. Last year he didn't do anything. Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't get paid that much money, so they paid other people or did whatever. And I just think it's hilarious that everyone wants to give him a contract. Like, I don't understand it. This guy goes on Twitter and says, first of all, let's talk about this year. <laughs> okay, I don't care if it's this year, last year, the last 10 years. What has he done in the past? The funny thing is they everyone just discounts last year. Everyone looks at last year and they just, ah, you know, that was last year though. You know, that was last year. Okay. Yeah, I mean, literally everyone's calling Tom Brady the GOAT. But last year wasn't a great year for him. Wasn't great. This year's not great. Do you think he should just retire immediately because he's not playing that great? What if he comes out next year and all of a sudden wins the Super Bowl? Then you say, well, he might be faltering a little bit because the last two years weren't great. Well, no, but this is this year. Like, people are just all, always talking about what have you done for me lately? That's fine. But what has Taylor Heineke done for us lately? He hasn't done anything. He's throwing for 210 yards a game. And people need to bail him out. Curtis Samuel bailed him out last week, even though we still lost the game because of him, by the way, throwing a crucial pick in the fourth quarter. And he threw a crucial pick this game too. But the defense, once again, bailed him out. Oh, he took a knee at the very end of the game, and then the Eagles had a dumb penalty, which was, 
I will say on the fringe, 50-50, they probably shouldn't have touched him, but at the same time, it's still on the fringe. They bailed him out. I mean, I just don't understand it. It's just it's just so funny to me how people keep keep making excuses. And their excuses aren't stats. They're not number driven. They're not anything that has to deal with you know a finite piece of proof. Typically, you have proof to prove a point. You don't just sit there and tell me that three and one, three and one. Three and one isn't proof. He's ten and ten as a starter. In this league, he is ten and ten as a starter. He is ten and nine as a starter for this franchise. You have people like John Allen, Terry McLaurin. I mean, these guys are out there, have contracts with the team now, and we're just wasting those years for the contract because, oh, Taylor Heineke is out there throwing 200 yards a game. Give me someone that can go out there and actually throw the ball. I mean, throw the ball more than 45 yards down the field. Do you know that Taylor Heineke has only thrown over 300 yards once, once in 20 games as a starter? Did you know that Taylor Heineke has thrown for under 200 yards six times? Six times. I I just don't understand it. I don't. I I just don't get it. And I don't think I'll ever will. I just don't think I'll ever get it. Taylor Heineke literally has been bailed out so many times by the defense or by the running backs. Brian Robinson yesterday, who just was grinding out yards the entire day. Even Antonio Gibson, throw him in there too. But people sitting there and just trying to grill you of the same stupid stat of three and one, three and one, we're three and one. Yeah, keep riding the train. I don't understand it. Why why do you keep saying three and one? He's ten and nine as a starter for the franchise. But that was last year. You can't bring up last year. That's against the rules. What? I just I don't understand that. You can't bring up previous years where he had a full season, no pressure from a backup, no pressure from a starter to come back. You can't bring that up. You have to sit there and make sure that, oh, you know, you know, it's okay, Taylor. We have your back. We're going to play hard for you. And you know what? We're going to conspire against Wentz. We don't like that guy. He's only been here for two minutes. We don't like him. We don't like how he plays. We don't like that he likes hot dogs or whatever food he likes. I don't care. We don't like that guy. People are idiots. People are morons. And this guy, I've had to block two people on, on, on Twitter because they literally just won't stop bringing up the same thing. I disprove them. Oh, well, you can't do this. You can't say that because you're proving me wrong. You can't do Like, whatever. I wish Elon Musk would, would t- take those people off of, of Twitter. I mean, literally. And this is why you don't fall into the abyss. You don't fall into the abyss of a Twitter troll. You don't fall for it. And I did because I have. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna blame it on Ben. 
I'm going to blame it on Ben because he hasn't been here for the last couple weeks, two, three weeks or whatever. And this is where I usually vent to him and he comes back at me and vice versa, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And that's where I get my frustrations out. But now I'm just talking to myself basically and (laughs) I can't get it out of my head. Oh my gosh. I need to take a shot later or something. My, oh my. It's just unbelievable, man. It's un-effing believable. By the way, last comment I'll mention. One person tweeted me, are you kidding me? I'll take heart over talent any day. So what you're telling me is Justin Herbert is on our team. He gets hurt in his rookie season after, say, three games or whatever. He struggled a little bit. Taylor Heineke comes in. You're going to say, oh, Justin Herbert, I'm not going to play him. I don't like it. I like his talent, but I like Taylor Heineke's heart. Heart over talent any day. What is this, the Little Giants movie? This is so dumb. Anyways, let's try to get past this after that little little uh, spiel for a while now. Let's get right into the rewind. Because we had a couple teams playing a lot more games this past week. And we'll first start off with the Washington Capital. So Washington, the Caps are just, you know, they're just kind of trying to ride the train right now. They're trying to make sure that uh, when the guys come back, all the guys that are injured, when they come back, they're trying to make sure that they have a decent enough record to compete. That's the problem. Dylan Strom uh, tallies his third and fourth goals when they beat the Oilers earlier in the week, 5-4. to four. Kuznetsov tallies four points in that game, earns first star, two goals, two assists, four for five on the power play as well. Then they lost to the Pens, 1-4 to four in D.C. Uh, it was a rough night, obviously. The Pens scored three goals within eight minutes in the second period. The teams basically had you know, an even game. The stats were almost 50-50 down the middle for the four main stats that you really look at on ESPN and so on and so forth. But overall, the Pens converted their chances, so they ended up getting the victory 4-1. to one. They beat the Lightning then, 5-1, to one, which was a crazy drumming of the Lightning, which is very unusual. But the return of Carlson from short-term IR provided the spark. He got first star. He played very good defense, also had an assist in the game. And Darcy Kemper with 28 saves, 96 save percentage, which was awesome for him. But then... Coming up a couple nights later, uh, they lost the Lightning 3-6, to six, which was not good. Horrible first period for the Caps as the Lightning scored four in the first, basically shutting the door on any type of comeback with this roster as it's constructed right now with all the injuries. And Darcy Kemper was pulled, uh, which I think they probably start, should have started Lindgren in that one because of the sole fact that Kemper just played against the Lightning, and you would have probably hoped that you would have switched it up on him. Uh, in that sense. But overall, Lindgren goes in and saves 96% on 25 shots, which is actually really good to see for a guy to come in there after a rough start of his counterpart and come in there and actually have a really nice opportunity to show us what he has. Moving on. Uh, the Washington Wizards, 8-6. and six. They beat the Hornets 108-100 earlier in the week. The Wiz shot 52.5% from the field. Four guys in double figures. Kyle Kuzma, Rui, KP, and Goodwin. Goodwin's been on fire off the bench uh, as of late, which is actually really good to see. A rookie out of St. Louis. Never heard of the guy. And then all of a sudden, I checked the stats, and I was like, wait a second, who is this guy? 
Then they beat the Mavs 113-105. Wiz shot 40% from three to keep pace with a great game from the returner Spencer Dinwiddie. So overall, they held off Luka and the Mavs as the Mavs took down, or excuse me, I should say struggled against the Magic the night previous. And then they also struggled from the field except for Spencer Dinwiddie in the game against the D.C. Washington Wizards. Kuzma with 36 points in that game, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. Ruri with 23 points, 8 rebounds. Gafford with 11 points and 10 rebounds and 4 blocks. I mean, it was unbelievable. And they still beat Luka and the Mavs without Beal and KP in that one as well. Then moving on, they beat the Jazz. The Jazz at the time had one of the best records in the entire NBA. 121 to 112, another strong performance from beyond the arc. 44, 44, it's a lot of fours in this thing. 44.4% from beyond the arc. Six players in double figures for the Jazz, four or five starters in double figures for the Wiz. Kuzma went 23 points, eight rebounds, six assists. KP went 31 points, 10 rebounds. And Kispert, 18 points. Denny, 13 points and seven rebounds. So, really, really good performance from our starting five and also some support players as well. Then you're also looking at the last game of that week. They beat the Grizzlies without John Morant, though. 102 to 92, second straight game over 44% from three. They shot 47.5% from beyond the arc in that one. I believe they shot and made 19 threes in that game. It's hard to beat a team when you, when you score 19 threes. KP with 25 points and six rebounds. Denny with 21 points and five assists, so that's awesome to see for him. Uh, you know, Kuzma, he struggled from the field, but also still contributed his 11 rebounds, which I love to see. And right now, they just have a next guy up mentality. So Kuzma struggles, KP goes out there, does some work, and then Denny does some work as well. So that is the rewind for your Washington Capitals and also your Washington Wizards. Now we're going to move in to the game that happened this week, uh, the Washington Commanders and the Philadelphia Eagles. We are the Commanders. So the Commanders beat the undefeated Eagles 32-21. to I'll just go through some things that I liked and what I saw Throughout the game, obviously, I went over the random Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so we won't go too far into this. I like to uh, you know, take a little breather and go along with the Wizards, a little bit of Wizards talk real quick, and also pose a question for TikTok, which, by the way, also follow me on on uh, excuse me on Twitter, at Cerrone16, Ben, at, D- at the DC Crossover on Twitter, and also follow the TikTok uh, DC Crossover Podcast as well for all the cool clips that we have on there, so on and so forth. But also uh, check out the YouTube and so on and so forth from Spotify and Apple Music and everything like that. So the Commanders beat the undefeated Eagles 32-21 to in Philly, overcame a 14-7 to deficit in the first quarter, which is awesome. It's kind of funny to see because you saw the Commanders, like they had like, I don't know, like 16 plays and the Eagles have like 16 yards or something like that and then the Eagles somehow were up 14-7 uh, obviously it didn't go so well in the first drive and uh, it made me go out there and that's probably where the Twitter started where I went out there and I was like oh here we go again you know blah 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 blah. but then they ended up turning it around which was awesome to see uh, in prime time the biggest thing that you saw in this game that was the difference maker was the time of possession 40 minutes for Washington, 19 
and a half or something like that. So I guess it was 40 and a half for Washington and 19 or it was something like that. And 19 for Philly. I kind of rounded up or whatever. That was huge. Brian Robinson, 26 carries, by far his best game as a pro. 26 carries, 86 yards, and a touchdown. His touchdown run was awesome. Not to mention you saw a few other runs that he had that were just unbelievable. I mean, carrying two or three guys, there was one point, it might have been the touchdown run, where he was like, he had Fletcher Cox around his waist and like pulling him backwards, and then all of a sudden Brian Robinson just kept churning out uh, yards and turning his legs to get those yards and you know his touchdown run was awesome where he reached the ball out had the, the wherewithal the you know the field presence where he knew where he was reached the ball out and got that touchdown Antonio Gibson also contributed 14 carries 44 yards and a touchdown so they both combined 130 yards uh, three and a quarter yards per carry but when you look at it that's really all you need now, you don't want to go anywhere under that because then that's you know, that's kind of iffy. But a lot of the time when they ran, they were basically just chewing up yards, getting those three and a quarter, three and a half. Sometimes it was a four uh, or something like that and just chewing up clock. I mean, you saw the biggest thing of the, of the day, which was their four drives over 12 plays. That's unbelievable. Usually you don't see that. Now, you would think that we would have blown them out if we were controlling the clock that bad. But at the same time, you know, you just got to be happy with what they did uh, overall in the first half. Four or five drives they scored, which was very, very good to see. I mean, because honestly, we've all known that Ron Rivera and Scott Turner aren't the best, I guess you could say, uh, adjusters when it comes to halftime. So it was nice to see that something was working in the first half uh, and they just kept sticking with it, which was great. Going along with some of these drives, 14 plays, 66 yards, 4.7 yards per play, which was great. They had eight minutes and 23 seconds tick off. That was their longest drive uh, by time-wise in the game, uh, which was kind of crazy. You saw half a quarter get knocked off and they only had 66 yards, which is kind of nuts. I mean, they started on the 34-yard line, and they literally chewed up so much clock. They had eight runs, six passes, so good kind of 50-50 split, which was nice to see. Um, and then the next one, they had 16 plays, 86 yards, five-and-a-half average, seven minutes off the clock, 10 runs in that one, six passes. So they were leaning on the run because the run was working. When you had 3.25 yards of carry, it doesn't look great on paper because – you know, most of the league leaders are in the you know three five to four five range uh, as, as a good average, I would say, because if you get close to four yards of carry, that's always a big huge plus. But when you're looking uh, at this team and at this game in general, it, it was good to see them go out there and just chew up yards here or there, get a nice long one, then get maybe a short one, but always having a third and short which we didn't really have most of this year so far. It's usually like a third and seven or a third and nine or something nuts to the point where we, we just can't convert it all the time. But when you have a third and three, when you have a third and six or a third and, I guess you could say third and six in, where you have a chance where you can possibly run it, you know, draw plays, whatever it may be, if it's third and five, third and six. But if you're running so well 
and the line's getting some push. Now, we all know that this line has been a lot better in run protecting than pass protecting. I mean, that's a huge argument when it comes to Wentz and 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 uh, and Heineke and so on and so forth because when it comes down to that, everyone says that this line is not built for a pocket passer like Carson Wentz. So you're looking at it right now and saying that they stuck with the run because the line was getting some push, which honestly, in the first game against the Eagles – we were passing it too much. We didn't run it that much. And all of a sudden, and that was also, I believe, when Brian Robinson wasn't there uh, or wasn't playing, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not exactly sure. Um, or just maybe he just got back. I forgot exactly when that game was. Um, but you're looking at it and saying the 16-play drive, 10 runs, 6 passes. So they're leaning on the run again. Uh, then the next one, 12 plays, 49 yards, 4.1 average, 6 and a half minutes off the clock. Six runs, six passes, so another 50-50 split. Then this is the biggest one. 13 plays, 75 yards. This was near the end of the game. 5.8 average, seven and a half minutes off the clock. They had 10 runs in that. Technically, it might have been nine runs, but Heineke scrambled in one of them, I believe. And then they had three passes. I mean, so you're looking at it and saying, those, I mean, four drives, four drives, and they had 55, 55 plays in four drives. So right there, when you're averaging, you know what, close to 13, 14 plays a drive, that's huge in four drives. That means you're keeping possession, which they did. They doubled up Philly. And that's what we've seen over the years past too. Those big, you know, I think last year when we had that four-game win streak, we ran the ball really well. Antonio Gibson was playing really well. And that was the biggest thing, is that you control the, the line of scrimmage. You control the clock. I mean, look just, just look back to the RG3 years. We were running the ball so much and controlling the clock so much, and that's why we were in, in every single game. And don't get me wrong. Having Taylor Heineke and, and his, his mobility is huge. It's huge. I love it. It's great to have that. But I also need somebody to have a 50-50 split when it comes to, I, if I need to throw a third and 10, I can try to go out there and throw a 15 to 20 yard route. I don't need to throw it to somebody and let them try to run for the first down. I mean, if you look at his career, his average yards per uh, per completion is like 6.8, under seven yards. That basically means that he needs to throw it short, have the have the the guys get the ball in their hands and make some moves or whatever it may be. But that's my biggest gripe, I think when it comes to Taylor Heineke, is his arm strength ability. We got all this hype that, oh, he's been working out his arm. He's been doing this. doing That's nice. That's great. But, I mean, when you're crow hopping and you're throwing at 48 yards, I mean, <laughs> typically when you crow hop, that's when you're throwing your farthest. I mean, we saw guys like Josh Allen and, and a few others throw at 60 yards standing still. I mean, I'm not saying that Taylor Heineke is Josh Allen. Don't get me wrong on that that point, but you can't go out there and just you know be an average thrower and just try to use your mobility to make something happen because teams are going to adjust. This is the NFL. This is the NFL. This is how it is. So overall, it was just really nice to see them go out there and have so many drives and control the, the, the line of scrimmage, control the clock, because that's what you need to do. The Eagles, I think they're overrated personally, but as a whole, I think that their team is pretty well stacked to the point where they can withstand 
uh, you know, a loss where they can go out right now and maybe rack off two or three more wins. Um, but uh, it was bound to happen. It was bound to happen. The turnovers really killed them, not to mention uh, the secondary for the commanders actually played really well to the point where Devontae Smith, he had a pretty good game, but he also had a really good game the first time out. But then A.J. Brown didn't do anything. A.J. Brown had like one catch for seven yards. I mean, they were blanketing him. Not to mention St. Juiced. He was on both guys most of the game. Kendall Fuller actually had a really good game as well. So I'm going to give it to the secondary. It's my stud category here. The secondary were awesome. I mean, they were they were awesome. Derek Forrest had a pick. He played really well. He had six total tackles, one pass deflection. Jamin Davis, six total, or excuse me, nine total tackles for him. So he's starting to grow into uh, a player that can be really uh, high on the contribution list week in and week out for us. Joey Sly also, throw him in the mix. Four for four, 58, 55, 44, and 32. So all over the map in a cold, kind of breezy night in Philly. I mean, can't ask for something better. Four for four. Now, we're not saying he's Justin Tucker, but, you know, I, I think if everyone said, hey, Joey Sly kicks two from 55 plus, a 44 and a 32, what is the percentage chance that he makes three or four of those? I think a lot of people would say, eh, not that high. But overall, got to give him props where it's due. Uh, and overall, like I said, the secondary just needs to get props all all the way through because of how they kept Devontae Smith. And, I mean, he's, if you throw Goddard in there, Goddard, Smith, and Brown had 10 total catches combined. That's huge. Just huge. Scary Terry, eight catches, 128 for 11 targets. I mean, that's great to see because last year what we did see a lot is him getting those 13, 14 targets from Heineke, but it was in double coverage or triple coverage or whatever it may be or a bad throw, and all of a sudden he would only have five catches or so. So that's the biggest thing is you're looking at that, going out there and saying, okay, it was great to see him go out there and extend drives and have out routes and different things of that nature. There was one specific play where – I think it was an out route, and I think Heineke maybe rolled out just slightly. Maybe he was in the pocket. I forgot exactly where he was. And uh, Terry ended up waving his arm up and saying, like, hey, I'm going to be open here. And Taylor Heineke threw a perfect throw. And that's what I like to see, though. Taylor Heineke can throw those throws from, like, 15 and in, 20 and in so or so. And that's the biggest thing. He can do that thing. But the problem is, is the, th- the throws that are so much farther – that he kind of just lets sail. I mean, we saw the one from Logan Thomas last week. I think I think he actually threw one to Logan Thomas again. Might have been the same play over his head again this week. So it's I mean it's hard to overthrow Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas is like six foot seven, but you know you're just looking at it and saying, I'm hoping you know, and I'm always down for winning. I'm down for winning because now I think we're way past the point of no return to sit here and act like, oh, we should get a better draft pick. Because I said that two weeks ago, and it, it didn't work out for us. So, overall, uh, the NFC East now, when you're looking at the NFC East, 8-1 and one for the Eagles, 7-2 for the Cow- or, excuse me, seven and two for the Giants, which is unbelievable all in all. Cowboys lost to the Packers, 6-3 and three for them, and 5-5 five and five for us. So, we're a few games back, but overall... Uh, when it comes down to it, we got to play the Giants twice, the Cowboys again. So we got three division games uh, in the last seven. And also that Giants thing is really weird too, by the way. 
a schedule with the Giants where we got to play them, then we go on a bye week, and then we play the Giants again. It's that that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But next week we play at Houston. So when you're looking at it, I believe personally, as I just almost ate this mic, I believe personally that you stick with Heineke. Now I said, yeah, if Wentz is healthy, you know, go with Wentz. But I I I mean. Ride the hot hand. You want to go with the hot hand. You want to go with all these stupid excuses of, oh, look at the records, all that kind of stuff. Fine by me. Do whatever you want to do. I'm going to go with the hot hand. I will say now on this show that I would prefer to go with Heineke right now. And if he slips up, you go with Carson Wentz. Because Scott Turner should know by now what plays are working. I mean, it's been 10 games. He should know by now what he has in Wentz. You saw a little sample size for him. Very minute, but, but there it is. We've had Taylor Heineke now for 19 games. He knows what he has in him. So you, you think about it and say, are, are, are we, are we going to sit here and debate this, or are we just going to ride the hot hand? Because what if Taylor Heineke somehow all of a sudden starts struggling to the max, throws two picks, no touchdowns or whatever, and – Say we maybe squeak out a win. Maybe we squeak it out. Maybe we lose. Who knows? But I'm just saying devil's advocate here. Are we going to try and stick with Heineke? Or are you going to try to really go for the playoffs and go with Carson? So it's a debate that you should have. But also a debate that it's like it, it would be different if we were 7-2. and two. If we were the Cowboys, it would be different. Like Cooper Rush, okay, great. That was a good story. But we're going to go with Dak. In this case, same situation, except that, you know, you know, obviously Carson Wentz isn't Dak Prescott, but at the same time, Cooper Rush went out there, had a really good record with the Cowboys, had him moving, and then all of a sudden, Dak came back, boom. You throw him in there, and they lose the Packers. So, overall, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I don't have a crystal ball, uh, but you also got to look at, no matter what happens this season, you got to look at that whole entire Colts thing with the second round pick, third round pick. If you don't know what it is out there, if Carson Wentz plays 11 games, we have to get uh, the Colts a second round pick. If he doesn't play 11 games, we give him a third round pick. So, I mean, if you look at it there, second round is more valuable than the third uh, for trading purposes and also for talent acquisition. But you're looking at it mainly for the sole fact that we don't want to get rid of that if we're not going to make the playoffs. There's no point. So, Let's move on to another team that we'll briefly touch on and then we'll end with the Wizards. The Washington Capitals are next. The Washington Capitals. The Washington Capitals. I'm just going to briefly touch on that. This might be a two-minute little ordeal. We'll get into it a little bit more uh, down the road. But I saw this whole entire, I don't even know what you want to call it. I don't think it was a tweet or something. I don't know. Maybe it was a something on a website or something. The, they are decimated by injuries still. I mean, I said it last week, but they have over $35 million, over $35 million of their 82.5 salary cap on injured reserve. That's unbelievable. That's over 43% of the salary cap not on the ice. I mean, that's just crazy. Tell me when the last time you heard you, you, you heard that. I mean, the question is, 
is this due to age or just bad luck? I think it's bad luck because Tom Wilson's not old. Now, he had a bad injury, but he's not old. I mean, I don't think that some of these nagging injuries that are like, okay, it's a week or two or whatever. Backstrom's been out for a while. I don't think that's because of age. I just don't think it. Honestly, I think that it's just bad luck, but I could be totally wrong. Who knows? But can you believe that stat, though? Over 43% of their salary cap is not on the ice. I mean, and they're still playing pretty pretty decent, which is which is funny. I mean, you go out there and you, you, you kick Tampa in the teeth, then they come back and do the same thing to you. But, I mean, it's good to split with Tampa. <laughs> I mean, that's all you can say. But let's get to the Washington Wizards when it comes to a big question that I'm going to pose for everyone on TikTok. The Washington Wizards. So, the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards got the beanie on today for the podcast. Let me just throw this out there. Okay, so here is a question for all the folks out there who may or may not follow the Wizards. This question is something that I thought about the other day because as of right now, they're on a heater. But if you think about it, they're on a heater without their biggest piece in Bradley Beal. So here's a question for everybody out there. Should the Washington Wizards consider looking for a trade to give Bradley Beal a different team? Now, I say give Bradley Beal a different team because I don't think that he's a bad player. But I think that it would be most beneficial if somehow we dealt him and then all of a sudden get some draft capital in return. Give him a new team that maybe he can go compete with right now because right now this team is not going to compete uh, for an NBA championship. You know there have been rumors of him going to the Lakers or whatever. I think he could probably compete with LeBron and AD. You know they play different positions and whatnot. But do you think? Do you think the Washington Wizards should think about trading Bradley Beal? That's the big question mark. Now, it is something that could be crazy to talk about because they've only played with him for four games or without him for four games. But they are 4-0 without him this season. They are 4-6 with him. 22-25 without him in the last two seasons. So pretty much 500. 21-28 with him, which is crazy to think about, honestly. Because the guy has talent, and the guy has some heart and soul when it comes to uh, leading a team. But then you also look at this stat. This is a huge stat as well. 102.25 opponents' points per game without him, and 111.2 with him. That's huge. That is a nine-point differential when it comes to having Bradley Beal in the game or not having him in the game. Now, I don't know if Wes Unsell Jr. is going to look at this and say, Bradley Beal is a liability on the defensive side of the ball. He could. 
But he also could say, well, when we have him, he's probably our best offensive weapon. You never know. But this is how teams rebuild. Bradley Beal isn't the guy to lead a franchise. John Wall was here. They both went back and forth. But Bradley Beal is that kind of guy that's, you know, kind of lurks in the shadows and can, can be can be that that dagger, you know, late in the game or whatever it may be, or even put up a bunch of points. But he isn't that that tough-nosed grit, John Wall, like I'm going to be in your face the entire game, low on, so on and so forth type of guy, at least in my opinion. So in my opinion, I think they should. But I'm going to pose it to you guys, especially on TikTok. DC Crossover Podcast, follow us. Check out all of our videos. But definitely, do you guys think that the Wizards should consider trading Bradley Beal? I know he has a no-trade clause. I get it. But overall, there's ways around that. So, we shall see what happens later this year and how this record keeps going if Bradley Beal is not in the lineup versus when he is in the lineup, so on and so forth. So, moving on to the final lap. The final lap has some interesting, I guess you could say interesting uh, stories today. Cristiano Ronaldo, CR7, goes on with Piers Morgan and feels betrayed. Betrayed by Man U. There also has been some stuff recently saying that, you know, this guy wants him out. This guy, it's kind of weird. Ronaldo should have never have left. And I think, now I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, I think that when he was on Real Madrid, they either weren't going to pay him as much or something of that nature, that Man U was so rumored to bring him back. He should never have left because he was a dominant force in La Liga and he should never have left. But now there's some turmoil out in England for Manchester United. The Bills squander a 17-point lead as Minnesota and Cousins come back for the fifth time. I mean, it's nuts. Kirk Cousins, I mean, no matter if you like him or you don't, that guy, <laughs> somehow, he gets those garbage minutes, and all of a sudden now Justin Jefferson has to bail him out and have a great catch, and then he, you know, obviously Kirk Cousins leads him to a win, so that's awesome, good for them. Uh, the World Cup starts on Sunday. The U.S. has a plus 13,000 chance of winning it all. I mean, that's <laughs> good luck to them because that ain't going to happen. I mean, it would be nice to see that, but my money, I think I'm going to be putting on either Belgium or France. I did France last time, but I think I might go Belgium. I like Belgium. Last thing, Yasiel Puig to plead guilty in a legal sports gambling case. Don't have any idea what the case is. Don't really care either. But I just think I wanted to mention this because it's kind of funny. You think about players and how they're in the spotlight for like a year or two because of, you know, however they, you know, I guess you could say present themselves or how they play or something of that nature. But Yasel Puig was huge for like two years with the Dodgers. I mean, he's huge. I mean, first of all, he was huge, like jacked wise, but then he was also huge because of his playing style and his like, you know, you know, talking trash and getting in people's face and all this kind of crap. But it's funny how this guy literally is now in a, a sports gambling case and all this kind of stuff. I didn't even know he was out of the league. I didn't even know if he was, uh, I mean, I hate to say it. I didn't even know he was still alive. <laughs> I don't even know where he went. 
especially when you're playing baseball and, and, and stuff like that, because you can go overseas and be different countries and stuff like that. You never follow people like that. But Yasel Puig to plead guilty in a legal sports gambling case. So that's unfortunate, obviously. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. It's just kind of crazy because I think sports gambling, That's now, this is a whole other topic for another day. But I think when it comes to sports gambling, you know, as long as you're not sitting there and just kind of like betting on your own team, like Pete Rose, the whole, that whole entire thing, and Calvin Ridley and, you know, those type of things, I, I just don't get it. I don't really get it that much, but at the same time, you know, you really have to understand that it's it's one of those situations that you go into it, and if that's the rule, that's the rule. You can't do it. But if this is an illegal situation, then that's that's a whole other story. If it's an illegal situation, it's not like you know you're just violating league rules. You're you're, you're breaking the law. <laughs> I mean, there's the law's there for a reason. But anyways, so. We're going to go into the money line. Cha-ching! So the money line sponsored by DraftKings. Once again, DraftKings Sportsbook is our proud sponsor of the DC Crossover. All right, everybody. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. I, per se, take advantage of this every single week. Love every single same-game parlay that I put in there and the boost that it gives me. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbooks is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DCCrossover when you sign up and place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code DCCrossover. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Overall, this, uh, I guess you could say, this 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 season has been all right. I mean, I, I did get a couple of tough breaks recently, but overall I think that when it comes down to the money line, it's uh it's been all right for your boy. Ben's kind of, you know, gearing back up to climb the ladder again. He's seven and thirteen, I'm thirteen and seven. Uh, but uh I thought I was gonna have a two and a week last week, but didn't realize that Matt Stafford wasn't playing. I thought Matt Stafford was playing, and I thought Kyler Murray were, was playing as well when I bet on that game, but that was not the <laughs> not the case. So here we go for the money line sponsored by DraftKings. Ben's picks of the week. His lock, Tennessee, the Vols, going to South Carolina. He's going to lay the 21 and a half. That's a big number, but I think Tennessee right now, after losing, uh, the was it last week or two weeks ago, whatever, to Georgia. I think that right now they just have to lay it on whoever they play that's in front of them. I mean, they have to because right now they're fighting to be in the college football playoff, and I think that, honestly, they need to go out there and show that they're still that team and that one game against Georgia was an anomaly. So he's going to lay the 21-and-a-half for Tennessee at South Carolina. And his dogs, he's going with the Tennessee Titans, plus three at Green Bay in Lambeau. I don't know. I don't know what the weather's going to be like in Green Bay. 
I mean, it could. it's going to be cold, obviously, because obviously it's that time of the year. But could it be snowing? Who knows? I don't know what the whole entire forecast is, but Ben does like the three. I'd like to see if Ben could possibly buy an extra half point and make that a plus three and a half. That would be really nice. But Green Bay coming off a pretty good win. Christian Watson with three touchdowns for the pack. So my picks of the week, my lock, United States men's national team versus Wales. Well, I wonder what Wales is like. What's Wales like, that country? Like, is is Wales like a beautiful, like kind of like Iceland or something like that? Like, I don't even know what it looks like. Is it a beautiful countryside? I'm going to go with the under two and a half total for that because from what I've heard, you know, Wales, obviously, they still have Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale does show some signs of brilliance, but I am a Real Madrid fan, and I've seen Gareth Bale kind of, uh, you know, I guess you could say deteriorate over time. He used to have huge speed and acceleration, but obviously father time always wins, uh, unless you're Tom Brady. But United States men's national team, honestly, I think that they just don't have the firepower that they've had in certain other teams, like a Clint Dempsey, uh, Josie Altador, obviously, uh, wasn't the best in the World Cups, but overall I think that they just don't really have that firepower. I mean, Christian Pulisic can actually do something, but under 2.5, I think it might be a one nothing, maybe a 2-1 game or something like that. Uh, you know, when I say 2-1, that obviously equals 3, but I'm going to roll the dice and say it's going to go under 2.5. My dogs, I got Coastal Carolina plus 4 at UVA. I hate UVA. I think UVA sucks uh, at football um, just in general. <laughs> I mean, they've literally – only won the two teams this year, ODU and Georgia Tech. Uh, and Coastal Carolina is 2-0 as the underdog. And uh, you know, I think I should say, I should mention our hearts go out to UVA and the families of the whole entire tragedy that happened this past week. Um, but uh, just as a side note, this has nothing to do with that or anything like that. I'm obviously a Virginia Tech fan. But I will say, you know, for that tragic incident, our hearts go out to the UVA families uh, and the whole entire UVA program. But I do have Coastal Carolina – Plus four at UVA. So those are our picks of the week sponsored by DraftKings. Cha-ching. And that's going to do it for another episode right here on the DC Crossover. Thank you guys once again for tuning in to episode 131. Cry, Eagles, cry. I am Mike Sarone once again signing off uh, for yet another great episode. Uh, ben should be back next week. And just in general, I think that, I mean, I need to get John Z's outro. I just don't know. I don't know why I don't have it. I know Ben does. And I think it's kind of a, a, a signature now. Um, but uh, as a whole, uh, it's another great episode. Obviously, I like having Ben here uh, more than just talking to myself. But I appreciate you guys tuning in for the last three weeks Ben Simpson should be back next week so you guys can actually hear a different voice, not just my own, right here on the DC Crossover with Cerrone and Simpson. Thank you all for tuning in once again. Stay safe. Bundle up there, everybody. It's going to be a cold one.